It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You're watching Veterans Week coverage on ESPN. Brought to you by USAA. Welcome to NFL Live, presented by USAA. So glad you're with us as week 10 starts tonight. We have a packed show with Dan Orlovsky here, as well as Ryan Clark, Adam Schefter. In just a bit, a conversation you don't want to miss. You're looking for the cameras behind your head. We're going to explain why the scoring in the league is the lowest that it's been in 14 years. Mm. We also have a special guest joining us for this. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Don't go anywhere. All right, let's get right to the injury report as Adam Schefter joins us. Adam, Jamar Chase did not practice yesterday. Was he out there today? Well, Laura, he was late to practice today, but he was out there finally. An encouraging sign for the Cincinnati Bengals as he tries to recover from the back injury that he sustained when he fell hard on his back Sunday night against the Buffalo Bills. As you mentioned, didn't practice yesterday, was back out there again today. That bodes well for his availability for Sunday's game against the Houston Texans. However, T. Higgins was not out there today. He suffered a hamstring injury during practice yesterday, and while he was out there yesterday, he did not practice today, and that does not bode well for his availability for Sunday's game against the Houston Texans. So it looks like they could have Chase and could not have Higgins. As for the 49ers, Debo Samuel is expected to play on Sunday against Jacksonville. He was a full participant in practice Wednesday as he's recovered from that hairline fracture in his shoulder. So that's a good sign for the 49ers that he'll be back out there. However, the team still does not know whether Trent Williams, it's great, Offensive tackle will be out there, was not taking part in practice yesterday, still getting over that high ankle sprain, and still a major question mark for Sunday's game against the Jaguars. Yeah, after a string of losses, it's a breath of fresh air to think about Debo being back. We'll keep an eye on Williams. As for the 49ers defense, though, they'll be in for a tough test against Trevor Lawrence, who leads the NFL in QBR against zone coverage. He's completed 77% of his passes with seven touchdowns, just one interception in those situations. The 49ers defense plays zone at the sixth highest rate in the NFL, but they've struggled during San Francisco's three-game losing streak in which they've allowed nearly seven yards per pass attempt when playing zone. That's the worst mark in the NFL. So we'll dial into a real specific matchup here. And RC, if San Francisco wants to slow down Lawrence on Sunday, what does the game plan need to look like? Well, I mean, first of all, you have to see what does Chase Young add to this rush. When yeah. you look at Minnesota, you also go back to the Cincinnati Bengals, and we had rush from Nick Bosa. We saw a Rick Armstead make some sacks or have two sacks against Joe Burrow, but it hasn't been the sort of pressure we're used to seeing from the San Francisco 49ers in their four-man rush. And so that makes the back end have to cover longer when you're thinking about Traverius Ward, Diamador Lenore on the outside. And they've been, I mean, frankly, just been getting routed up. Jordan Addison had himself mm. a day against both of them, also on the inside with Isaiah Oliver. And then 
you watch the Cincinnati Bengals exploit them with their three-headed monster at the wide receiver position and really Joe Burrow figuring out who he wanted to throw the football to and taking his pick. And so now, can that four-man rush become what we've seen it? Can you start to try to add pressure, whether it be by bringing an extra backer or an, uh, or nickelback safety into the rush? And also on the back end, how are they going to start to get Talanoa Hufunga to find a way to make plays and affect this game. Now, RC, so listening to Laura talk about those Trevor Lawrence mm -hmm. stats, my mind immediately went to, well, Jacksonville's going to get into a ton, ton of empty, meaning five offensive linemen. They'll spread San Francisco out, one, because they're good at it, and two, it's a really good way to try and attack San Francisco's defense. The ball gets out quickly, and then they will get into their 13 personnel, that one back, three tight end grouping, just to try to run the football. That's kind of what makes Jacksonville's offense a little unique for me is their best player is Travis Etienne. That's the way that they feel most comfortable to get him to football. And then there's that that empty stuff where, where Travis, or excuse me, Trevor is almost like a catch and throw guy. He doesn't not hold the ball in these situations. Evan Ingram does a really nice job of work in the middle of the field. So if they're going to see that much zone, Doug Peterson and Press Taylor, their offensive coordinator, is going to spread them out, get it out quickly, and then they will see that, that heavy dose run game. Yeah, the Jaguars have the longest active win streak in the NFL. They've won five straight, but they are the three-point underdog in this game, sure. despite the losing streak that the 49ers have been on. All right, earlier this week, I asked Ryan Clark which team is the best in the AFC. He said the Ravens. Mm. Lamar Jackson has been on fire. Four straight wins for Baltimore, too. And this week, they have to contend with the Browns defense. That's one of the best in the NFL. So after struggling against man coverage during the first five games of the season, Lamar has improved significantly during the Ravens' four-game win streak. Wow. He ranks top five in QBR, completion percentage, and yards per attempt. That's going to be put to test, though, against a Browns defense that's held opposing quarterbacks to the lowest completion percentage and QBR when playing man coverage. Uh, up here in our studio, we got this guy, Miles Garrett, just looming over us. And then, of course, Lamar over there. He's a big reason why, Dan. But Lamar and company put up 28 in their win over Cleveland earlier this season. What does that Cleveland defense need to do to be more ready this time? To handle the motion run game. And that was when these first, the first time they, these two teams played, it was a very specific plan by Baltimore offensively to motion and then run away from the motion. You got that slot. I believe it was Zay Flowers going in motion, and then Lamar was that ball carrier down in the red zone. And it almost felt like Cleveland was so unprepared for it, shockingly, even though it's Lamar Jackson. Again, there's that slot formation, motion across, and they're not, not, not running towards that motion. They're running back away from it. A man defense, a little bit of movement when it comes to the lateral stuff for that second level. And then it was a field day for this run game, no matter who was carrying the football. So I'll be interested to see, like, does Cleveland have a better adjustment for that? And I think to touch home on the point of, like, the man coverage stuff, it's really been what we kind of talked about at the beginning of the year, like the timing. They've gotten to that point where they've trusted the timing of their pass game. They'll need to do that again versus a really good secondary. Here's the other piece of it. Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens were excellent against the Cleveland Browns in their first meeting, especially in the first half. And so what's going to be the difference in that? Is it going to be that Deshaun Watson is playing instead of Dorian Thompson-Robinson? Or yeah. are they going to find a way to get Lamar Jackson off of his spot? When you think about when teams have been successful against Lamar, it's keeping him in the pocket and then sort of exploiting some of his ball handling issues and ball security issues. But against the Cleveland Browns, it was none of 
of that. And now what has happened is we've talked about Todd Munkin spreading this team out and taking this pass game to the next level. What it's done by spreading teams out is that it's made the run game even more physical. Mm -hmm. It's made the run game even more dominant because you're playing so many sub yeah. packages. Think about what Gus S. Edwards, Justice Hill, and now Keaton have, Keaton have been able to do. Keaton Mitchell, they've been finding ways to not only be physical but dynamic in the run game. And that's the element that has to excel against the Cleveland Browns because they lock down so well on the back yeah. end and find ways to pressure the quarterback with four. You know, it's another thing, RC, for me in the past game. I, I kind of mentioned man coverage and some of the timing and the trust of that. I've also seen a growth of the feel by the wide receivers. You know, like in zone, yeah. sit down, Lamar gets out of the outside of the pocket. Where are they supposed to get to to create or take advantage of some of those voids? I think we're seeing a lot of growth when the, it comes to their pass game. Yeah. And if you go back to the Seattle Seahawks game yeah. last week, we saw we saw Lamar Jackson connect with Odell Beckham Jr. on a second-chance play against the zone. Also, Rashad Bateman. Yeah. So it's not just one guy he's developing this rapport with. It's the group of wide receivers, which is great for Todd Munkin yeah. and his staff. Yeah, but, R.C., as you pointed out, the Ravens are the best run game in the league. They lead the NFL with over 160 rushing yards per game. That's where it all starts. Okay, we're just getting started here, too, on NFL Live. The Chargers have won back-to-back -back games behind a defense that's looked better in recent weeks. RC will tell us what he's seen from that group, why they've improved in crucial moments. Plus, scoring is down around the league this year. Our crew noticed a tendency from the top defenses that helps explain the dip. One of the reasons why even the best quarterbacks in the entire NFL can't beat it. NFL Live is presented by USAA. This Veterans Day, go beyond thanks to make a difference and in part by IKEA. We'll be right back. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Free Game HQ is brought to you by Domino's. Earn free food after just two orders with new Domino's rewards. It's easier than ever to earn free stuffed cheesy bread, pizza, lava cakes, and more. Sign up to start earning today. Next week, the Monday Night Football crew will be in Orchard Park, New York, as Russell Wilson and the Broncos take on Josh Allen and the Bills, 8 Eastern, on ABC, ESPN, and ESPN Deportes, with Peyton and Eli once again on ESPN2. 
Let's see what's on trend around the league. We're going to start with that Monday night matchup, actually. The Bills offense has averaged 6.4 yards per play when using pre-snap motion this season. That's second most in the NFL. However, Buffalo ranks 23rd in the NFL in terms of how often they use motion. The two other teams on this list, the Dolphins and 49ers, rank first and second in that category. I like that Dan just had to stand there for that. But, Dan, do they break the trend here and lean into the use of motion more this week against Denver? I wish they did. I don't think they will. The problem is, even though we all nitpick about some of the issues with Buffalo's offense, mainly because the quarterback is so great and so is Stephon Diggs, it's still a good offensive unit. My gripe is it could be better. My gripe is it could be an offense that if they used motion more, if they had their quarterback under center more, if they used more play action, some of the things that I love about the offensive game of football, it would be a unit that could carry this defense that's been depleted by injury to a playoff and or Super Bowl run. I don't think they added in more, but they absolutely should under Ken Dorsey. All right, something to look for on Monday night. Let's go to L.A., where after struggling during the first three weeks of the season, the Chargers' defense has been much better lately. Over their last five games, the Chargers' defense ranks top five in the NFL in points per game allowed, takeaways, and third down conversion rate. So, R.C., do you expect their success to continue against the Lions this week? I mean, I don't, I don't expect that sort of success or the success you see when you play against a Tyson Bajant and a Zach Wilson in back-to-back -back weeks. I mean, you could put me out there and I could at least make some plays, but this is improvement. You can also go back to the game against the Dallas Cowboys. They made Dak Prescott work and earn every drive, every yard that he had to get. It's going to be different this week against the Detroit Lions that can start with the run game, Jameer Gibbs, David Montgomery, and then move into a play-action game with Jared Goff that is absolutely phenomenal. I look forward to seeing what they've learned in these past five weeks and how they implement it against a top-notch offense. Yeah, you, miss, you mentioned Tyson Bajant there, the Chicago Bears quarterback in relief of Justin Fields. As we go to Chicago now, look at downtown Chicago. Pretty place there. And that's where week 10 begins tonight between the Bears and Panthers. Time now to check in at the Domino's pregame headquarters where Adam Schefter is standing by. And Adam, Justin Fields officially listed as doubtful tonight. What do we know about his situation now? Laura officially listed as doubtful, and the Bears head coach Matt Eberflus said yesterday that he wouldn't play tonight. Tyson Bajant once again will start for the fourth straight week, and I think the question now becomes, will we see Justin Fields return for the Bears' next game against their division rival Detroit Lions? And I think there's a realistic chance that does happen, but he had not received medical clearance as of last night. The Bears decided to go with Tyson Bajan once again tonight, and so they will trot him out there against the Carolina Panthers as Fields continues to recover from that dislocated thumb injury. Yeah, we saw him with the little uh, brace there on the thumb. He's been real involved in the sidelines. Time now, thanks, Adam, for a DraftKings Sportsbook same-game parlay. For that, we go to Dan. So, Dan, let's start with Bryce Young for tonight. Over under 224 and a half passing yards for the Panthers rookie. Yeah, I'm going to go under. This offense has really struggled this year to protect Bryce Young. He's had some moments that have been good. The only reliable pass catching threat that he has that's consistent is Adam Thielen. I think Chicago pays a little bit of attention to that. It'll be a bounce back in comparison to last week, but I say under. All right, Cole Komet has gone for 50 plus yards in each of the last two games. Over under 34 and a half receiving yards for the Bears tight end. Yeah, the thing is, three games ago I went over for him and he didn't hit it. I'm, I'm going to go under. I think because 
Tyson Bajant isn't necessarily like the, the dealer at quarterback. I think Carolina's defense is a unit that can keep him under wraps because if you sit there and go, well, pay attention to him and DJ Moore, as long as you keep the ball in front when it comes to Mooney, you can slow down that passing attack. Let's talk point totals. Over under 39 points scored tonight. Uh, oh, under, 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 primetime unders. Uh, <laughs> scoring in the NFL is down. We're about to get into a little bit of the main reason why. I say under. Both of these offenses are struggling. One's playing with a backup quarterback. Short week, I say under. And that's what you call teeing it up because still to come on NFL Live, scoring around the NFL is the lowest it's been since 2007. We have noticed a tendency from some of the top defenses that have helped keep teams out of the end zone. We're going to explain it all next. And look who's joining the show. Mina Kimes is back um, in action for us. She's coming to make a special <laughs> appearance just for this, you guys. Uh, another reason why you don't want to miss what's next on NFL Live. We'll be right back. Don't forget, on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat, same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code NFL Live when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. You're watching Veterans Week coverage on ESPN. Brought to you by USAA. Welcome back to NFL Live, presented by USAA. I want to see simulated pressure, simulated pressure, simulated pressure. Those pressure packages have been extremely effective. There's pressure. Pressure coming. He's in big trouble. He's gonna go down. Showing six or seven guys at the line of scrimmage, and they're only going to rush four guys. Four-man rush. They get home again. It's different. It's creative. Can you find a way to block them up to have a clean pocket and make big throws? Halfway through the NFL season, and we are sitting down for a roundtable discussion. The focus today is defense, and check out these numbers. Scoring is down across the league as teams are averaging only 21.7 points per game. That's the fewest through nine weeks of a season since 2007. Dan, why do you think scoring is down? Why? We just heard the, the simulated pressures that are sweeping really across the NFL. So it's important to define exactly what a simulated pressure is. So 
the defense is going to walk up linebackers and defensive backs at the line of scrimmage. There could be five guys, six guys, seven, sometimes eight guys that are standing all across the line of scrimmage. Now, when the ball gets snapped, some of those guys pressure. Sometimes it's the linebackers, the defensive ends, and or safeties. And some guys, most of them, drop out into coverage. So what does exactly does that look like? Okay, Baltimore. They have six guys up at the five guys up at the line of scrimmage and then guy off the ball. I have seven in protection if I'm in Seattle. What you're gonna get is one of those guys from the line of scrimmage to drop out and that off the ball person pressure. Tight end who's in the protection has vision on it. He ends up putting hands on that blitzing linebacker. I have a one-on-one -on -one up there. I have two guys blocking one defensive end, but really I have a tight end blocking my defensive tackle. That is what the simulated pressure does to offenses. Kansas City, what they're going to do is line up seven guys at the line of scrimmage. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven across the board. I've got seven in protection if I'm the Denver Broncos. They're just trying to buy time. Only four guys out of those seven actually rush, and you have a guard, a center, and a guard basically blocking no one. Even though it's a four-man rush, I have a one-on-one -on -one with the tackle and defensive end, and the ball gets out. Those are two of the teams that example-wise are doing it at a really consistent level, and that simulation of walking those people up at the line of scrimmage creates a lot of chaos for an offense, and more often than not, it's the illusion of all those people coming, and only four end up rushing, which equals seven still in coverage. That's why it's in many ways so difficult to handle. Yeah, and what you showed there, you see how hard it is to identify it. Mina, why is the emergence of simulated pressure important now? Yeah. Well, we've spent the last few years on this show talking about how offenses use motion to manipulate defenses in terms of coverage and then to make them hesitate. I see this as sort of a, an in, the inverse of that in a way because you're manipulating yes. protections as Dan showed and you're making quarterbacks hesitate. It's a counterpunch, if you will. So uh, Brian Burke and the great folks at ESPN Analytics have started actually tracking different kinds of protectors, uh, pressures. And I want to show you guys two things from their findings. First, this is on third down. I want you to see how effective simulated pressures have been this season relative to blitzes and just a standard four-man rush. That's an 11.2% sack rate on third down and yet just 5.1 yards per attempt because you're not sacrificing bodies in coverage, but you're still getting to the quarterback. The other thing I want to show you is something that Dan kind of teased with the, the defenses he mentioned, and that's the defenses that have used Sims the most this year. So here's what stands out to me looking at this list. When you look at the top pass defenses in the NFL, you see teams like the Cowboys, the Niners, the Jets, teams with elite four-man rushes, the Browns, right? These teams, the Ravens, the Saints, the Chiefs, and the Seahawks, are also in the top 10, but we don't think of them as having a Miles Garrett, or obviously the Chiefs have Chris Jones, but those elite edge rushers. But because I believe their use of Sims allows them to create the illusion of pressure that Dan talked about, it allows them to create chaos and it helps their pass defense. The Ravens are the team that jump out to me as being the perfect example of this. They're so good at it. And I think it's a large part of why They've been so effective against some elite quarterbacks, in particular Joe Burrow, who's mm -hmm. had his worst performances against this team. You don't want to blitz Joe Burrow, but if you can make him hesitate just for a second, you can play him really well the way the Ravens have. Mm, so good.
Yeah, when you think about simulated pressures, it's about getting one-on-ones. Coach LeBeau, who's the master, the king of the fire zone, we never brought more than five people. But what you wanted to do was get a guy like James Harrison matched up on the tight end because they slid the protection away from him because we walked Troy Palomalu up into the line of scrimmage. And so you see a lot of that with these teams. And what you're trying to do is get favorable matchups for your best player. So think about it right now. We have Nina on TV. That means young Nino is one-on-one -on -one with his dad right now, and we know who is winning that battle. It's the same exact thing. When you watch the Baltimore Ravens play right now, when you watch the Kansas City Chiefs play right now, it's about getting the quarterback to believe that something is happening up front, so he moves the protection in order to take care of that. His yeah. next step is finding his hot, finding the space in the blitz, which now suddenly closes up as we drop yeah. people from the line of scrimmage into yes. pass coverage. It's such a it's such a mind freak for any quarterback yeah. that it gets extremely difficult and now you are hesitant when the pressure does come. And, and guys, it's not only like confusing us quarterbacks. When, when you as an offense walk up to the line of scrimmage and you see those six, seven, eight guys at the line of scrimmage, it really starts with, okay, the center has got to declare Who's going where when it comes to protections? Yeah. Who's responsible to what for what situations? And then what happens, the quarterback's got to be ready for everybody to blitz because at sometimes teams like a Baltimore or Kansas City, they will blitz all six, seven, eight guys. And to Ryan's point, like the ball's got to come out of your hand. And then once you declare those protections, what you do is when everybody drops out, it forces everybody to play slower. Quarterbacks play slower because they're trying to figure out who's dropping into coverage. Where is the blitzer potentially coming from? Think about it as an offensive lineman. If you think I'm responsible for the guy that's head up at me right now, the ball gets snapped and you go to set to block him and he drops out and all of a sudden somebody from the other side is actually the Dang, blitzer. The other piece is too though, like – the other piece we got to remember, you also have to be a good blitzing team for this to work, yes. right? Like, you can't be yes. sorry as hell when you blitz and say, oh, we're going to fake it and everybody's going to freak out. No, we don't care if you're not a good blitzing team as well. And what Baltimore does very well, and you saw it on the Kansas City tape as, as also, they grab defenders, as in they step into the line of scrimmage before dropping yeah. into pass coverage because that makes that guard, that tackle, that center hold in that position, which allows a free rusher that's not actually an actual rusher right. to get a free run on a quarterback and I, what you've noticed with those particular teams is in doing so in doing everything we've described they've maximized the abilities of the players we have like we know Roquan Smith is a superstar and part of the reason the Sims are yeah. so effective in Baltimore is to Ryan's point he will blitz he can drop into coverage you know he's right. an amazing player but yep. you also have guys like Jamie and Clowney, who has bounced around the NFL. When I watch him in Baltimore, Balling. I'm like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. This is Balling. the perfect scheme for him because that dude can cover. Yeah. He can stop the run. He's an incredible athlete. Yeah. George Karloftis, too, by the way, in Kansas City, is a guy who's jumped out to me this year, taking a huge leap. They drop into a coverage all the time. Yep. He's good at it. And because of the scheme, even though they don't have Miles Garrett or Nick Bosa or whatever, they are just as good at pass defense. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. So I texted Andrew Whitworth, longtime great offensive tackle, Super Bowl champion for the Rams, RC, and, and I was like, hey, exactly what makes this challenging or in the most challenging for offensive linemen? And he was like, the time clock. Hmm. And he said so often yeah. as an offensive lineman, when you think those guys walked up there, you're sped up, ball gets snapped, and all of a sudden you have mm -hmm. droppers out. 
and you're thinking, he said as an offensive lineman, you're thinking you're actually blocking longer than you really are so that you expect the ball out of the quarterback's hands. And he pointed to a situation like a Karloftis where that guy's becoming a premier mm. pass rusher now because he's so yeah. often, RC, I think you said like benefiting from that one-on-one. -on -one. So it's that illusion and it's That's that doubt and it's that hesitation that it's causing for everybody on the offense. Mm. And I think it makes it really challenging because here's the thing, like it has to happen on third and six or third and seven-ish. Because as a quarterback, when I see all those bodies at the line of scrimmage, initially I'm like, well, get the ball to my hands. Because if they all come, I'm good. And if only some of them come, I'm good. But if it's third and six or third and seven, and it's only like a four-yard completion, well, defense wins. They're off the field. Yeah. So, yep. you guys, I mean, this is fascinating just as a fan of the game. RC, I want to start with you on this. I'm curious if this works as well as it does, which we've showed you all the numbers, we've showed you the tape, we know why it works. Why don't more teams do it? Because mm. <laughs> you ain't got the people. It's still a people game, Laura, and it's still about being able to do these certain things and do them well, which starts with communications. You know, I saw some of the video of Troy bouncing around, and everybody always thinks, like, some of those things were improv, but a lot of them we talked about pre-snap. We talked about those things during the week. If we get third and six, if we get third and seven, based on their tendencies, this is how we'll describe. I mean, disguise. And when you're talking about the different simulated pressures, the disguise Disguises are just as important as executing post-snap. You want them to be pointing at this guy. This is the mic. You want them to be pointing yeah. at the guy in front of him that, okay, we're sliding to the right. And then all of a sudden, yeah. at the snap of the ball, the mic is no longer the mic. The guy that I've picked out to, to attack that's going to attack me and pressure yeah. is now the hook dropper. So do I slide back inside to the left or do I now fan out to the right? And when I'm fanning out to the right, there's not a dude that's blitzing that's 295. It's freaking Kyle Hamilton. Who is 6'4, yeah. 215, coming off the end screaming because he's timed it up perfectly? Oh my God, I love watching the Ravens. They ran one uh, against Detroit where Travis Jones, who's like 300 pounds, yes. starts the line of scrimmage. Uh, Graham Glasgow, the center's on him. He drops into coverage. Jared Goff thinks he has a hut like over the middle of the field, and he just sees purple, just tons of purple in front of him. Holds the ball, kick. Mallette gets home. But anyways, to, to your actual question, it, it, Ryan's right. It, it's like a ballet when you watch the All-22 and you see how pass rush and coverage work together, which is to say uh, it requires tremendous execution on the part of defenses. There's a reason yep. certain units specialize in this. Mm -hmm. I would also add some defenses – Frankly, probably believe they don't need to do it yeah. as much. I, you know, I mentioned the defenses like Cleveland, San Francisco, when you have those elite rushers. The New Orleans However, Saints. However, that said, mm -hmm. it, the, you can maximize the abilities of some of those rushers. Like the Cowboys run some really nasty ones where because it's a sim, Micah gets a one-on-one. -on -one, exactly. And yeah. that is not something you want yep. as an offense. It's almost real quick, Ruddy. It's, yeah. it's almost like defenses are calling it in an offensive mindset. You know, mm. like, Tamina's point with the motions yeah. and whatnot, like, they're dictating formations. They're dictating matchups. They're dictating the advantage for them when it comes yeah. to pre- and post-snap stuff. Yeah, if it's a ballet, they're choreographing it. All right, so trends always get figured out, yeah. though, Dan. I mean, we see this happen both offensively and defensively. What's the solution here for offenses against simulated pressure? Yeah, staying on schedule is a part of that. I think you got to plan for the worst. Meaning you got to plan for all of those guys blitzing because at some point it's going to happen. I think uh, elite communication, elite. I'm talking who has who in the zoo, the responsibility of every single person. And then when the ball gets snapped, you got to play really fast but not hurried. And that's the hardest part. Is yes. You got to play really fast 
but you can't be in a hurry because that's what they want. It's the look. Yeah, the, the look is meant to speed you up yes. when you should actually be slowing down, right? And that's yes. what it's about. And the other thing I'll say about winning is you have to find the one-on-one. -on -one. If you can find the one-on-one -on -one and find it early and yeah. get the football out of your hand, it's big. But that's normally outside, which is very difficult for quarterbacks. Okay, so next Thursday, remember this conversation. The Bengals and Ravens play. You may see this real-time. We can't <laughs> that wait for that one. game. But this is a real <laughs> example of exactly what we're talking about against a quarterback who's been beat by it before. Coming up on NFL Live, C.J. Stroud has impressed so far this season. Mina will break down the tough test ahead for the rookie against a talented Bengals defense. Stay tuned for that. You're watching NFL Live presented by USAA. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. John Taylor here, running back for the Indianapolis Colts, and I just want to thank all the men and women that dedicate their lives each and every single day to defend this country, defend this land, to make sure that we're all safe and sound at home. We thank you and we love you. Keep fighting, guys. Very well said by Jonathan Taylor there. And the Sunday NFL Countdown Crew has you covered for Week 10 at 10 a.m. Eastern. The Monday Night Countdown Crew gets you set for Broncos Bills with a two-hour pregame starting at 6 Eastern, both on ESPN and the app. Let's get back to our top stories with Adam Schefter joining us once again. And Adam, some wide receiver news to get to here. Let's start with Justin Jefferson in Minnesota. Lord of the Vikings listed him as a limited participant in practice today, but he also spoke to reporters for the first time since he injured that hamstring, and he did not have a time estimate as to when he would be back, other than to say he didn't want to come back until he was 100%. He's not 100% right now, and he considers himself to be day-to-day. -day. Meanwhile, Jamar Chase was also listed as limited in practice today with the back injury that he suffered Sunday night when he took a hard fall against the Buffalo Bills. So it looks like the fact that he was back is an encouraging sign because T. Higgins, the other Bengals wide receiver, did not practice today after suffering a hamstring injury in practice yesterday. He's on track not to play against the Houston Texans, and the Houston Texans did get back Will Anderson in practice today, an encouraging sign, but it looks like Nico Collins was not back, which also does not bode well for his availability Sunday. Good notes there. Thanks to Adam. Let's continue with the Texans. Okay, C.J. Stroud has been tough to stop when he's been having the benefit of a clean pocket. Stroud yeah. has an 81 QBR when he's not pressured. That ranks second in the NFL behind only Patrick Mahomes. However, 
When the defense does get pressure on Stroud, his QBR drops from 81 to 10. And if you're wondering, that's the largest decline in the NFL. And Dan, what's the film showing you about the rookie QB? Well, part of that is because he handles the pressure with efficiency and movement. Hmm. It's very Joe Burrow-like when it comes to that. He, he minimizes it because he has very little wasted space into a movement with his operation. This is going to be a motion to a bunch curl concept. And to the naked eye, it's like, oh, great, cool, great protection. That's not true, but he wastes no movement. Watch how, how good he is when it comes to the structure and posture of his throwing motion. One, two, three, hitch. Look, his base and that short step, even though that left guard is getting pushed back into him, if he's just a little bit longer, he's going to deal with pressure. But for that moment, he doesn't. Then to the middle of the field, you get motion. He's going to peek to the bottom of the screen, reset to really what is becoming number four in the progression. But you see that efficiency. Look at his base. It's almost like watching a boxer who's ready to punch at any time. Looks to, nope, nope, reset, reset. His feet are settled. And then instead of having to, quote, unquote, hang for a second and deal with pressure, he doesn't because there's no wasted movement. That is such a unique trait for quarterbacks, certainly young ones, that he is so advanced that he minimizes the pressure he has to deal with, not because he's hot, but because of the efficiency within his pocket movement. This is a challenging matchup for him. I mean, he's coming off of an incredible performance, but how often do we talk about Lou Anarumo and his incredible game plans for some of the NFL's best quarterbacks and C.J. Stroud's obviously yeah. entering um, that group. And, and it's hard to describe what Lou does because it's so different game to game. My suspicion in this one is what he'll do is take away what the Texans do best and try to force them to do what they do worst, which is run the football. Yeah. They'll take away the middle of the field also, which is where C.J. Stroud <laughs> really makes his hay. But what's incredible about what Dan showed you is C.J. Stroud, he's been so amazing on third down under pressure, despite the fact that he has the sixth longest to go on third down in the NFL, an average of 7.45 yards. Uh, and that's a lot of the time because they're wasting downs running the ball on first and second. Yes. This is one of the worst, if not the worst, rushing yes. attacks in the NFL for a litany of reasons that go beyond the backs. Um, so if I'm Houston and I'm, you know, facing this Luana Rumo defense that I suspect will try to tempt them to do that, you have to resist yeah. that even if you're facing light boxes because yeah. you put your quarterback in bad situations. Yeah, I mean, I mean, this running game is on turtle time, like for real. It's <laughs> it's actually painful <laughs> to watch time. them attempt to run the football. But when you're, if I'm Luana Rumo, what I'm going to do is I'm going to stick signs right in the grass, and I'm going to say, CJ, throw here. This is the right spot. Mm -hmm. This is the spot that we're giving you huh. because what we've seen from CJ Stroud is he's going to take the correct throw. He's going to make the right decision, and so you have to make that right decision the thing that hurts you the least, and you listen to what Mina said. You're going to force them to run because it's what they do worst. You're going to take them out of working the middle of the field because that's what they do best, and yeah. I think if you're Lou Anarumo, you're going to give CJ Stroud the the least impressive or the least interesting of his options to yeah. be successful yeah. as you possibly can as the one that's the right decision. Yeah, guys, don't forget, Lou Anarumo in Cincinnati just faced this same offense two weeks ago against San Francisco. Bobby hmm. Slowick, the play caller for Houston, point. comes from that. So we could see a little bit of that yeah. bare front and that five-man front with the droppers. RC, I want to ask you real quick. So they're so good at the play-action pass in-breakers with Houston and C.J. Stroud. Most important yeah. part for a defense to minimize or take that away is what? 
It depends on what you're playing, right? If we're playing, if we're playing zone, it's about my linebackers. So Jermaine okay. Pratt, Logan Wilson, they have to be extremely active in the middle of the field and in those areas. If we're going to be man to man, it's about getting hands on. Chidobe Awuzie getting hands on. Cam Taylor Britt on the outside. But it's so good that you said that, Dan, because who I want to attack is Dax Hill and Nick Scott. If you're looking for a position on okay. this team that is not as good as the rest of them, it's those safeties that had to replace Von Bell and Jesse Bates. Yeah, when we saw Lou Anarumo earlier in the season on Monday Night Football, he talked about how Dax Hill was coming along, but there's obviously a gap in what there used to be there. All right, so Mina is here, and we need you to weigh in on this before you head out, Mina. You're, you're returning from your maternity leave just for <laughs> one day with us here. And here's J.J. Watt. He said Koa turned one a couple weeks ago. He's now one until he's one and a half, and then he's two. <laughs> J.J. says he refuses to do the whole months thing. Where are you at on that, Mina, with baby Nino? Before I was a kid, had a kid, pardon me, I did not understand months, weeks, the way people talked about children. Yep. Now I'm like, oh yeah, my, my child is five weeks old, five weeks in, and now he's going to be six weeks, and I, and I can eyeball it by looking at them. So I, I now get why people do that. Um, <laughs> So I, I understand it. Yeah, um, I I don't know. I think baby Jack is five months old until he's six months. But I, I'm I'm not doing the weeks. How though. much are we sleeping per night? Ooh, I'm doing my best. <laughs> not a lot. Mina, by well, the way. Well, you look great, MK. You yeah. look absolutely amazing. So amazing to have you back. We will Miss see you, you full time back on the show in about three weeks. Um, but just what Let's a treat go. to have Mina here today. Up next on NFL Live, Bryce Young off to a bumpy start this season. RC and Dan are going to tell us what they've seen from the quarterback so far. Changes that need to be made ahead of another opportunity tonight. That's next. NFL Live is presented by USAA. This Veterans Day, go beyond thanks to make a difference. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Tremendous day of college football. That's the start of week 11 in college, but back to the NFL. The Navy Pier there for Panthers and Bears. That starts week 10 in the NFL tonight. A little chilly there, about 40 degrees. Let's check back in at the Domino's pregame headquarters with Adam Sheffer. And Adam, let's start with Justin Fields. We see him on the field tonight. No, we're not going to, Laura. The Bears head coach, Matt Eberflus, said yesterday that Justin Fields would not play and that Tyson Bagent would start for a fourth straight week tonight. There is a chance, however, that Fields could be back for the Bears' next game against division rival Detroit. 
Still has to get medical clearance, but he is tracking to get back potentially then. Meanwhile, the Panthers will be without their star pass rusher, Brian Burns, suffered a concussion over the weekend, and in a short week, just too difficult for him to be able to bounce back. That'll be a big loss tonight for the Carolina Panthers defense against Chicago. And since the Bears own the Panthers' first-round draft pick in 2024, the Bears would help their chances of getting the number one pick with a win tonight. They'd have a 43% chance for the number one pick with a win tonight. The highest of any team with a loss, that would fall to 28%, which is third highest behind Arizona and the New York Giants. So the Bears could win tonight and really deal themselves a major victory by hurting Carolina and strengthening their chances for the number one overall pick. Adam, I believe that's what we call a win-win. Look Thank at you. you for that. Look at okay. you. Hey, as for the number one pick in this year's draft, Bryce Young's rookie season has been a struggle so far. He ranks last in the NFL in QBR in yards per pass attempt. However, it's worth noting that the team around Young has struggled as well, not just on him, okay? Particularly the offensive line, as Young has been pressured at the ninth highest rate in the NFL. Dan, what have you made of the first half of Young's rookie season? Really, that's the difference between, amongst other things, like the most notable difference between him and C.J. Stroud's yeah. situation. Stroud's offensive line is significantly better. Um, I get more concerned as the weeks go on, and I thought, I'm surprised I got to this point with Bryce Young longevity-wise. Hmm. He is getting beat up. He, he is taking a beating. C.J. Stroud is somebody that has had um, a, a significantly better pocket to deal with. And if you're Bryce Young in the Carolina Panthers, it's like how much more can we expose him to when it comes to the hits that he is taking, both physically but more so mentally. And that's why I'm surprised because mentally he's as good as a young quarterback has come into the league and like that I can remember to handling. So I think they got to be very aware of that if you're Carolina. And then the next thing is just – how can they get some type of a passing game going in the perimeter seat? Like, they have very little speed. If you're, you're asking me, like, what's most important, you better find speed yeah. next year in the perimeter if you're Carolina. But more so tonight, like, can anybody but Adam get open? Here's what's difficult about this. Let's think back to what we were saying pre-draft. All of us thought to ourselves, whoever goes to Carolina is in this great position. Yep. You'll have – a former quarterback and Josh McCown as your quarterback coach. You'll have Frank Reich as a head coach. We were all so excited about what it would be to be in Carolina, but we didn't think about only having DJ Chark outside as the speed receiver. We didn't think that the second-year tackle would play as bad as we've yeah. seen him play. We didn't think that there would be an inability to rush the ball after watching them rush the ball so well last year. And now it seems that Bryce is in the worst position. And the things that Bryce does well, which is timing, anticipation, understanding, he's not getting an opportunity to do those. And so now you're relying on physical traits, which if we're talking about just simple measurables of the top four quarterbacks drafted, Bryce was the lowest on those. Yeah. And so I think he just fell into a very difficult situation and so now it's how do we progress forward to give this guy a chance to get better you have to find a way to protect him you have to find a way to move the pocket yeah. and get him from being back there like a sitting duck and somebody on the outside has to start to step up so they can win 50-50s yeah it'd be interesting because Thomas Brown their, their offensive coordinator has taken over play calling over the past couple of weeks it's almost like a fresh start for him to figure out 
What are the things that Bryce is good at at the NFL level? What are the, the, the what is the fundamental yeah. starting point scheme wise that mm-hmm. they are going to hopefully build for the rest of this year and also moving forward to kind of um, build on his passing and in athletic skill strength and maybe skill strengths build up a little bit more of his confidence look at our picks okay I'm picking the Panthers I don't know I feel like he's gonna turn it around tonight and they're gonna get a big win on the road the boys are on the Bears I see why you're on the Bears but I'm we're going, going with the secret Bajit <laughs> Mina was back Mina was back.